Welcome to today's Bible study with Pastor Josh Tice. The next time you're in Las Vegas, we'd love to meet you in person at Southern Hills. If you happen to watch us regularly, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel and consider sharing this video with a friend. You can support the ministries of Southern Hills by visiting southernhillslv.com and clicking the Give tab. Now, sit back, relax, and get ready to learn how the Bible is relevant in your life today. Now, each Sunday this summer, it's gonna be a little bit different. We're, we're taking a journey through scriptures, but not verse by verse in an expository manner like we've been doing in the book of Luke. If you've been following Pastor Josh as he's been studying verse by verse, chapter by chapter over the book of Luke, we're doing the same thing, taking a study of the scriptures, but we're doing it more in a systematic theology way, okay? Here's what this means. This means we're gonna take a truth from scripture and study it in context of every passage that, that we see it. Now, maybe not every passage, but the overarching truth as we find these truths in, in scripture. Here, here's what this looks like. Systematic theology is like this. The first time you see the gospel mentioned is in Genesis 3.15. It's called the Proto-Evangelion. That means that it's pointing towards the coming of Christ. It's where God says to, to Adam and Eve that the serpent will bruise your heel, but you will crush his head. He's pointing towards one day the son of man, Jesus Christ will come, and you can trace that, that truth, that systematic theology all through scripture, knowing, pointing to the cross, and then from the cross, Paul points back to the cross, and it's known as the gospel, right? And so we're doing the same thing through the summer, but we're tracing three big theologies, three big truths through scripture. And it's these three big truths, the love of God, how and why we're supposed to love others, so love God, love others, and then how that equips and enables us to serve God. Both, And I'm excited to kick off this morning the first part of that series. This morning we're kicking off the series, Love God, by asking this question, what is love? What is love? We're going to find ourselves in the book of 1 John, probably one of the most well-known passages on God and love is John tackles it in 1 John in, in his letter there, 1 John 4 and we're gonna read eight, nine, and 10. If you're in the habit of marking your Bible or highlighting your YouVersion app, I would encourage you to do that with these three verses. These are key verses to scripture. These are big truths that you're gonna to wanna to carry with you throughout your life and throughout your um, experience and, and journey as a disciple of Jesus. John, 1 John 4, 8 says this. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. I love what verse 10 says there. Another uh, passage version says it like this. This is real love. In this is love. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. We're gonna ask this question as we study scriptures from cover to cover this morning and ask this question, what is love? What is love? There are many songs that beg the question, what is love? Maybe your mind went to the popular 90s song by Hathaway, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. <laughs> if you're a little bit older, then there's the foreigner song, I wanna know what love is. Maybe that's the earworm that you're gonna have for the rest of the day. You're gonna go home, ask Alexa to play it. What is, uh, I wanna know what love is. 
Millennials apparently solved the question. According to Rihanna's, we found love, but it was in a hopeless place, right? <laughs> so we're asking this question. All of history has asked this question. What is love? If I haven't had the privilege of meeting you yet, this is my family. Um, my wife's name is Ruthie, and I have two kids, Gatlin and Scotland. Gatlin's gonna be four in October. Scotty will be two in October. And so we took this last um, last fall, I believe, is when we, when we took this picture. And so she was one there. Gatlin had just turned three. Now, when my wife and I first met, uh, I had just graduated high school. I went to Bible college, and I was going to Bible college, called to preach, on fire, and I was looking for one thing. I was looking for a woman to love. No, no, I was looking to follow Jesus <laughs> with my life, right? I wanted to follow Jesus with my life. And so I showed up at Bible college, freshman in Bible college, first day, and I walked in, and uh, Ruthie, my wife now, she was a senior in college and she was a teacher's admin. So one of the youth ministry philosophy classes that I had, the teacher was out first week of college. So I walked in and here's this beautiful girl in the front saying, hey, I just wanna give you your syllabus for this class and all these different things. And in that moment, I knew there was a God <laughs> and he had a plan for me. <laughs> And she was standing at the front of the room. And so I, you know, tried to put on my best, like, you know, Joey Tribbiani, how you doing? You know, and try to go over to her and, and get to know her a little bit. And that entire first semester, man, I was, I was trying to, you know, put the vibes out there. But she's a senior in college. I'm a freshman. And so we kind of became friends a little bit, say different things here, you know, in passing. But I, I knew what my intentions were. And I knew that, man, this is, this is the one for me. So we got to the spring semester, and if you know anything about, especially Christian colleges, they, they try to give you like a leg up. They try to do these events like spring formals, and they're like, you should take a date, <laughs> you know? So I went to Ruthie, and I'm like, hey, I don't know if anyone's asked you yet, but I would love to, to go to this event with you. I'll pay for the ticket. I'd love to take you out, and we'll have a nice dinner. We'll go to this event with the rest of the college. We'll have a good time. And so she looked at me, and she said, hey, I really appreciate the offer, and I will accept on this one condition we are just gonna go as friends to this event. To which I said, <laughs> yeah, okay, you know? So, sure, let's go as friends, absolutely. I totally understand, I respect your wishes. I completely understand. The whole time I'm like, I am gonna woo her. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to this event, I'm gonna put my Mac on, you know what I mean? Like, like I, she thinks we're going as friends, but when she walks away, she will be love struck, you know? That, that's what I'm thinking. So we go to the event and the date is on, we show up, everybody gets dressed up, we go to the events. It was in a, in a, a formal location, the downtown city where, where we were going to go into college there and the date did not turn out the way I expected. She held her boundaries exactly where she said that she would. We went as friends. Matter of fact, we joke about it now, but afterwards like she could tell I was obviously like visibly disappointed. I don't know what gave it away. My sobbing at the, no, I'm just kidding, I didn't cry. <laughs> I don't know what gave it away, but I was visibly disappointed at the end, so much so that as our friendship continued over the next couple of weeks, she was like, hey, obviously the date didn't turn, turn out the way you wanted it to. Do you want me to pay you back for the ticket? And I was like, that's right I do, give me my money. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. And I said, no, no, no worries. And the, the reality is God had other plans and I was on a journey. She did not fall in love with the freshman version of Caleb and that's probably good, you know what I mean? Because I had issues, I needed, I needed Jesus, you know, I needed to get helped out a little bit. And so I was on another journey and we both kind of went our ways for, for just a little time. And then obviously she got right with God, amen? And came back, came back to me. 
Um, no, God brought us apart for a little while and then brought us back together. And here's the point of this. I showed up at that date and I was disappointed because I was there looking for my definition of love, not hers. The reality is this morning as we study the subject of love, there's no way you or I can fully, can fully separate ourselves from the vision, the picture, the idea, the worldview that culture has given to us of what love is. Culture has shaped us to believe that love is self-focused. Love is what I get out of it. Culture has shaped us to believe that love is performance-based. If I stop performing, you'll stop loving me. Love has been shaped by our culture that we now believe that love is really all about us. And if I'm just not happy in this love, then this must not really be love. But John writes that the purest definition of love is God. Not just that God loves, but that he is love. As a kid growing up, both sets of my grandparents, I grew up in the Northeast, so uh, my dad's parents were Grampy and Nana, and then my mom's parents were just grandpa and grandma. Both sets of my grandparents, all four grandparents, mom's side, dad's side. As a kid growing up, all four of them had dentures. And my dad also had dentures as a kid growing up. So as a kid growing up, I, I knew that eventually I would lose my baby teeth and I would get my adult teeth. And then I thought, I convinced myself that when I got older and became a real adult, you know, somewhere around 37, that I would finally get my dentures. <laughs> that I would grow up and, you know, okay, here's baby teeth, here's, you know, midlife teeth, and then here's your adult teeth, you know, here, here's your dentures. I don't know why I convinced myself of that, but I convinced myself of that. I just assumed that, that one day that would be my position. Matter of fact, it's something that I looked forward to. You say, why? Because that was my perception. My perception was informed by my experience and my perception became my reality. You say, Pastor Gabe, that's crazy. Why would you believe that? For the same reason that you have been tempted to believe that God's true love is only reserved for those who deserve it or have earned it. It's a perception that life has given you. Maybe from experiences, maybe from bad experiences, maybe even from churches, you've believed this lie that God's love can only be earned or deserved. Too often we overcomplicate the simplicity and the strength of God's love for us. Maybe for you, you add caution tape around the abundance of God's love for fear that you'll overuse it. Surely, it can't be this accessible. Perhaps you feel like your actions have caused you to leave the stadium of God's love and you're not sure if your ticket will grant you re-entry. Or have you ever felt like you're one mistake away from being denied access to God's eternal abundant love to us? Not because uh, you're one mistake away, not because God has changed, but you're positive that you can, if you can't give up that one habit or sin or addiction, then God will revoke your credentials. And you just don't feel like if you can't separate yourself from that one thing, how could God ever love you? This morning, we're gonna pull up a chair and sit a while on the subject of God's love to us. Not because we love him, but because he first loved us. My prayer is that as we feast at the table of God's love, the abundance of his goodness would overflow into our life and remind us of this one great truth. God is love. 
the story arc of scripture from the very beginning when God breathed life into Adam, the story arc of scripture is the unmitigated, unsurpassed, unrivaled, unparalleled love of God. That God is good and God is love. And he loved us not because we first loved him, but because he is love. As we take this incredible truth and we study it from the beginning of God's expressed will, his word toward us until all that he's written, getting all the way in 1 John, we see this, the love of God as we focus in on this truth, the love of God, number one, is an everlasting love. What truth can we pull out of this incredible, amazing mountain of God's love Moses says this in Psalm 90, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Moses saw his life as bookended by the love of God from the beginning until the end. David said it this way in Psalm 139, for thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee, when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them? If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. What a beautiful, everlasting reminder of this incredible love of God that God's thoughts towards us are more than we can even imagine. God's love toward us has been poured out, spilled out upon us, and it is everlasting. Jeremiah, as we continue in scripture, said it this way, Jeremiah 1, 4, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Later in chapter 31, Jeremiah says, the Lord has appeared to me of old saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. I want you to, for a minute, put yourself in Jeremiah's shoes and realize that your journey of life is not this constant you chasing God and oh, if I can just catch up to God's love, if I can just do something to earn and to deserve God's love, if I can just find myself in a spot where God will love me, it's the opposite. Jeremiah says that the loving kindness of God in an eternal fashion, in an everlasting way, God is using it to draw him in. It's not us chasing God, but God casting his everlasting loving gaze upon you and pulling you into him, saying, I've set my love upon you. There's nothing you can do that will separate you from me because Christ has paid that penalty and I'm gonna pull you close. I wanna draw you in. I wanna make sure that you know that I love you from everlasting to everlasting. Anything in your past, God has set his love upon. Anything in your present, God has set his love upon. Anything in your future, when the doctor calls or when the sibling calls or when the friend calls, whatever call you get this week or whatever call your loved one has got in the last year, God has set his everlasting love upon that and said, I promise I'll walk with you. I promise I'll give you my love. I promise I'll show up even when you don't feel like I'm there, even when you don't feel like I'm close, even when you can't see me in darkness. The psalmist said this, where can I go to get away from God? Shall I descend into Sheol, hell? Shall I get as far away from God as possible? Even there in the darkness, God is there. And the love of God is in your brightest day and in your darkest night. Why? Because it is everlasting. 
Friend, you have a starting point and I have a starting point, but God does not. His love is from beginning to end. There's no way we can quantify and qualify the love of God because he is love and he is everlasting. Number one, we see the love of God is an everlasting love. Number two, we see the love of God is an unconditional love. Okay, it might be an everlasting love, Pastor Caleb, but you don't know what I've done. You're right, I don't, but look at what Romans 8 says. As we continue through scripture, we've looked at Moses and David and Jeremiah and now Paul and Romans, Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justified. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What can separate you from the love of God? What is it on your list? I'm pretty sure Romans 8 covers it. <laughs> what is it that you feel like you've done that you're like, I don't know if God can love me past this point. Friend, I'm here to tell you, because you're in Christ, you're a new creature, and God has set his love upon you. There is therefore now no condemnation. I don't know if you're like me. I don't know if you're human enough and you can admit in the moment that every now and then, God's everlasting love and God's unconditional love doesn't really change the fact that sometimes there's things about yourself that you may not necessarily like. You ever felt that way? I know for me here recently, I, I'm not really good at this. I, uh, Pastor Josh mentioned by way of video that, that I lead um, in our uh, Ascent Teen Youth Program. I'm so thankful for each and every teenager. Um, we lead in that program. And then I also lead in our young adult uh, program called The Hillside. And then I also lead in another young adult group called The Belonging. We just kicked it off last year. It's a citywide young adult. It's not just uh, Southern Hills Church, but it's churches all across the valley. Young adults get together. And uh, we believe that we wanna connect young adults. We wanna teach them that they belong by connecting young adults to Christ and together in community, right? That's what young adults need, especially in a culture like Las Vegas. Connect them together in Christ, connect them together in community. So recently we're like, hey, let's do something else to get it out there for young adults. Let, let's, let's start a podcast. This is where I'm not good at it. Like I don't, I don't do all that stuff, you know what I mean? I'm like, okay, if you guys can do it, tell me where to show up and I'll just talk. I can do that, okay, I can talk, all right. So we said it, we showed up, and so I get to the room, we're, we're recording the podcast. This was just this last week and they've got it set up and they've got this huge microphone and they've got these over the ear headphones. So like, here, all you have to do, put these on and lean into the microphone. I'm like, okay, sweet. Put the headphones on, lean into the microphone. Hello. <laughs> now, have you ever heard your voice played back to you? You know what I'm talking about? Like you get a voicemail or something like that, you hear your voice played back and you're like, who is that? Like, they've got issues. Like it sounds weird because you're used to hearing it, you know, audibly right, right here. And so I lean into the microphone and no joke, in my mind, I know it's not this bad, but in my mind I hear, Hello, who is this? You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, who is that dude? He needs help. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, nobody wants to listen to him. I, I don't know what it is about you, 
For me, it was just hearing my voice back. I don't know what it is about you. I don't know what in your past, maybe five, 10, 15, 20 years ago, that you're still carrying around as a label and you feel like, man, when people look at you, this is what they see. But friend, I'm here to tell you, when God looks at you, it's not what he sees. He sees you perfect in his son, Jesus Christ, righteous, seated at the right-hand throne of God. Listen to me. He sees you as a child that he set his unconditional love on. And there's nothing that you can do to separate you from that. You say, what does the unconditional love of God do? The first thing it does is unconditional love elevates. First John 3, one says this, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. We didn't level up to it. We didn't study down to it. We didn't walk into it. We didn't earn our way into it. God gave it to us. God bestowed it upon us. Unconditional love elevates that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Unconditional love doesn't call names or fixate on flaws. Love sees the potential for the best and hopes for the best in others. Love sees the overlooked, the sad, the broken, and picks them. It holds them up and brings healing and wholeness. Friend, this morning, whatever label you feel like you might wear, can I remind you when God looks at you, he sees his unconditional love upon whom he said it. Unconditional love elevates, but not only does unconditional love elevate, unconditional love drives out fear. Look at what 1 John 4.18 says. John, through his whole first epistle, he draws these incredible parallels where he says, God is light, in him is no darkness. God is love, and if you don't love, you don't know God. He draws all these parallels, and here he draws another parallel. He says this, 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. I grew up in church, born, raised, always been to church. Churches all across the country. I grew up in um, New England, Vermont, and then I moved to Tennessee and was part of a church there, and then to Arkansas and was part of a church there, and then to California and was part of a church there, and then to Texas and was part of a church there, and now here to Las Vegas. Been in churches all my life. And the biggest misunderstanding that I've had in the gospel is this, that I often find myself stepping into presence with God, whether that's my prayer time, whether that's just my daily life, whether that's my daily walk, I often find myself stepping into God's presence and thinking this, okay, God, I've, here, here's everything I've been doing and here's everything, God, are you happy with this? Are you okay with this? I wanna make sure that I'm doing this for you and doing this for you and here's what I found. I've learned to ask myself over the last 10, 15 years, ask myself this question, what is motivating me in the way I answer this question, in the way I follow Jesus, in the action I'm about to proceed forward with, what is motivating me? Is it fear or is it love? Because perfect love drives out fear. Christian church, Southern Hills Church, if we could just learn to understand that the love of God is perfect and in it is no fear at all because in fear is torment, we would begin to realize it's a daily abiding. It's a willingness to come to the table and say, all right, God, I don't have what it takes to make it through today, but you do. Can I have some more of your love today? God is benevolent, will give it upon us. Unconditional love elevates and then unconditional love drives out fear. Unconditional love doesn't use fear in an attempt to control or coerce. Love protects others and helps calm fears. Love brings peace and calm to chaos. So many times in my life, I feel like I've made a decision about whatever it might be based out of fear. Can I, if you hear nothing else, hear this. Fear is a terrible motivator. And that's why God says, 
In my love is no fear. In my love is no torment. I've set my unconditional, my perfect love upon you. Why? Because unconditional love elevates and unconditional love drives out fear. Augustine, an early church father, said this, God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. C.S. Lewis said it this way, though our feelings come and go, God's love for us does not. Though our feelings come and go, God's love for us does not. The first big truth we see is the love of God is an everlasting love. Secondly, the love of God is an unconditional love. But lastly, we see this, the love of God is an available love. Look at 1 John 4.10, in this is love, not that we loved God. I don't know what you've brought into his house today. I don't know if it's burden. I don't know if it's blessing. I don't know if it's brokenness. I don't know what you brought into his house today. But everyone in the room under the sound and the teaching of God's word is eligible for the available love of God because it's not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Second Peter 3, 9 says this, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I went to church for a long time in, in Tennessee. There's a lot of old country preachers that would come through Tennessee. That's part of my, my pedigree. I like what one old preacher said. I remember sitting in the, in the pew, listening to the preaching. One old preacher said this. He said, someone asked me one time what I did to be saved. He said, here's what I did. I did the sinning and Jesus did the saving. <laughs> Friend, the only thing we bring to this equation of salvation is we bring the sin and Jesus brings the salvation. There's nothing that we do. I bring nothing to him, but I take everything away when I walk away from him, amen? And when I show up to Jesus, I give nothing but I get everything so I can walk out, so I can live my Christian life on a daily basis. I find it helpful from time to time to find an expression or a demonstration of love to kind of reignite my heart. The church has done this for, for millennia. They've used art, they've used song, they've used different ways to reignite and express their passion or God's passion for us. It's the same thing as like, if you go and take a hike in the mountains, for me, if I go and take a hike in the mountains, it reignites my love for my creator, my wonder. Go to the Grand Canyon and you're like, wow, what a God. How incredible, how incredible is his creation. Or if I take a trip away from my family, then when I get back, man, I pull my kids close. You know what I mean? I miss them. It helps me hit the reset button. Or just recently, I helped my brother move from Nashville to Florida, and so we drove all the way down there. And then while we were in Florida, we went to a spring training game for the Boston Red Sox. And it's my brother, 35-year-old, me, 33-year-old, sitting there at a Red Sox game, just a couple of boys. Like, we're just like, swing, bada, bada. You know what I mean? We're just sitting there. Just, it takes us back. No worries, no cares in the moment. This morning, I would like to show you a video that I think will help hit that reset button for you. I know it does for me. Let's play the video. Welcome to America's Got Talent. What's your name? I'm Cody. Hi, Cody. I'm Cody. How old are you? I am 22 years old. Yeah. Who are you, miss? Who are you? I'm mom. Oh, I'm hi, Tina mom. Lee. Hi, <laughs> Tina. How are you? What are you gonna do here for us today?
I'm going to sing a song for you on the piano. I love it. Tina, tell us a little bit about Cody. Cody is blind and autistic. Oh. Wow. We found out that he loved music really early on. He listened and his eyes just went huge. And he started singing. And that's when I just, I was in tears because that's when I realized, oh my gosh, he's an entertainer. So, yeah. Come on, Cody. Come on. this year and congratulations it's the toughest job I've ever had and the most rewarding job I've ever had you just want to give your kids the moon the stars and the rainbows and tonight I'm gonna give you something special I'm every
This is Simon. It's Simon. It's Simon. So glad to be here. Wherever you experience love in that video, maybe through the eyes of the mother, maybe through the eyes of blessing in brokenness, or maybe just through the gifting of God to one of his creations, may it hit the reset button in your heart of this truth. God is love. Let the love of God be the mirror that you look into each day. Let the love of God be the table you invite others to share with you as you engage in conversations and community. Let the love of God be your compass as the emotions of life wash over you wave after wave. Stand firm in the realization that where you are, there is love. For God is with you and God is love. Isaiah 43 says it this way, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you, for I am the Lord your God. God's love knows how to take a mess and turn it into a message. God's love knows how to take pain and turn it into promise. God's love knows how to take brokenness and turn it into beauty. God's love knows how to take hurt and turn it into healing. God's love knows how to take disruption and turn it into design. God's love knows how to take loneliness and turn it back into love. God's love knows how to take crisis and turn it into comfort. For you, whether it's a hike in the mountains, for you, whether it's a video on screen, maybe for you, it's just spending some time with God today or later this week. Maybe for you, it's a visit to a grave to thank God for the person he gave you and for how long he gave them to you. Wherever you find God's love this week, May we today leave the service knowing this, where God is, there is love, for God is love. The home that God is present in is a home of love, for God is love. The heart that God is present in is a heart of love, for God is love. The social media feed that God is present in is a social media feed of love, for God is love. The conversations that God is present in are conversations of love, for God is love. What is love? 1 John 4.10, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word and thank you for the truth and the reminder, Lord, that I needed today to pull up to the table of your unending, eternal, everlasting love. Thank you for the reminder, Lord, that your love is unparalleled and unmitigated and unsurpassed and even though we are undeserving, God, you still offer it to us freely because of Jesus. And Lord, thank you for the reminder that your love is available. For the person here who doesn't feel loved, may they know you're an ever-present help in time of need. For the person here who doesn't feel like they can love, may they simply be reminded that we know love not because we loved you, but because you first loved us. And this week, Father, may we live our lives as an expression of that love back to you. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for watching Josh Tice's most recent Bible sermon. If you think of someone who may enjoy this one, go ahead and send it or post it today. If you're ever in Las Vegas on Sunday, we'd love for you to stop by Southern Hills and see us in person. If you benefit from this virtual ministry, we'd also like to encourage you to support our gospel efforts by sending a donation to the ministries of Southern Hills. 
You can do so by visiting southernhillslv.com and clicking the Give tab.